What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. Appreciate everyone who's been tuning into these podcasts, as well as following me on my Instagram and watching my live streams. If you have not done so already, go ahead and go give that a follow. It's at English Encore Podcast, all one word on Instagram. I'm really trying to get up to 400 by the end of the month. Still a ways to go, but hopefully you guys can help me out to get there. Big thank you to Miguel Tunas from Knox College. He's the men's assistant soccer coach for coming on with me this past week on Wednesday. As I said before, I'm doing two this week to make up for not having any um, last week because of Father's Day. I'm going to be announcing who I'm having on Sunday later today. So go give that page a follow. Share it with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever it may be, and help me out. I'd greatly appreciate it. Today I'm going to be diving into five NBA free agents who could make a huge impact for the upcoming playoffs. Then I'm going to be talking about which three MLB teams benefit the most from this new 60-game approved schedule. And then finally, I'm going to be going through, a lot of people have been sharing this on Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be, of NFL analysts, um, former players doing their list of the top 32 quarterbacks in the NFL. Currently, I'm going to be doing a similar list. So over the next five weeks on my Friday episodes, I'm going to be breaking down different tiers between six to eight players per week, going up from 32 all the way to one. I'm not going to include the guys like Cam Newton, Tua Tagovailoa, um, Andy Dalton, those guys who more than likely either aren't signed currently or won't play. So you're like Tua probably won't play because of his health issues. And if he does play down the line, then we can have another episode on that. But I'm just be doing based off of who is projected to start. So I'm be going through the bottom six of my list today. But starting off with the NBA. So for those of you who don't know, the NBA is going to be having basically a bubble playoff in Orlando where there's going to be a play-in for the eighth spot with a lot of teams in the West Conference. The only team that made it from the Eastern Conference that was within the six games is the Washington Wizards. However, because of everything going on in the world today, whether it's um, COVID or the rallies for Black Lives Matters, social injustices in the world, um, some of the players are not going to be participating in the playoffs. So teams are allowed to sign free agents to bring on the roster to replace them. So I'm going through five free agents who I feel can make a big impact and what team I feel would be the perfect fit for them. So starting off at number five, I have Kenneth Fareed. He was last seen playing in the NBA for the Houston Rockets. He's been playing overseas in China this past year. The perfect team I think would be great for Kenneth Fareed would be the Dallas Mavericks. Just because Kenneth Fareed early on in his career was a guy that a lot of people thought had superstar potential. He was great on Team USA. He was pretty much a walking double-double. And then he kind of just fell off. He had some injury issues. I just don't think things worked out for him in Denver. And then he got kind of got bounced around the NBA and just didn't find the right situation. But I think for a team like Dallas, they have Porzingis, who obviously has some injury concerns based on, you know, tearing his ACL previously. You have Boban, who's a really big body, but um, doesn't do a whole lot. And then you have some other big guys, Powell, off the bench. But I just think they need another guy who defensively would give them an upgrade. 
And I think Kenneth Fareed does that. He can come in, play 8 to 10 minutes a game, give you some offensive rebounds to kick out to your shooters like Luka, Seth Curry, those players, and then also contribute massively on the defensive end from a rebounding perspective and handling some of the bigger players in the Western Conference like the Anthony Davises of the world, the Nikola Jokic's, those big body guys, Paul Millsap, be able to help box them out. Number four, I look at Joe Johnson, a guy who, when the last time he played significant minutes in the playoffs when he was on the Utah Jazz, he was averaging almost 20 points a game in his first round series against the Clippers when they eliminated him, including a buzzer beater. Then he kind of fell off a little bit in the second round, but was still averaging about 8-10. to He didn't really play a lot when he was on Houston um, last year, but I think he could definitely be a fit for the Portland Trailblazers. And the reason I say that is because Trevor Ariza has told them that he's not going to play. So they need a guy that can come in, shoot three-pointers, be solid defensively, but also just give minutes off the benches, which the Blazers desperately need because we don't know if Nurkic is going to play. Zach Collins is still questionable to play. Joe Johnson has playoff experience. Him and Carmelo, I think, would rotate well together on and off the bench when Melo comes out of the game because he's currently a starter. You can put Joe Johnson in. He's a very solid three-point shooter. We've seen that when he was in the Big Three tournament. And then you saw that in the preseason when he was playing for the Pistons. And I think he'd easily replace that Trevor Ariza role. He might not be as solid defensively as Trevor Ariza, but I think he still you know, brings a presence out there defensively, especially since he's had time off to work on his body. And if he gets another opportunity, I think it's going to only increase his defensive play. So I think he'd be a perfect fit for the Portland Trailblazers. Number three, I have DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, It's very interesting because Cousins rumored that he wouldn't play, but his agent said otherwise. And he's pretty much the biggest wild card because if he's fully healthy, he could potentially be a game changer. I mean, the last time we saw him, he was contributing big minutes for the Warriors in the NBA Finals, even though he wasn't 100% healthy. And even though he's not probably ever going to be the same version himself, DeMarcus Cousins is still a very valuable player. The most ideal fit would probably be the Washington Wizards just because, um, you know, John Wall's been recruiting him. And he'd really give him that third big man that he need to go along with Bradley Beal and Wall once he comes back. But that's more towards the future. And I don't think DeMarcus Cousins, if he does want to play in this playoff, would join a team who's right on the bubble of making it or is going to be a first-round exit even if they do. So the most ideal fit for me, and I think it's a very interesting and unique fit, is the Boston Celtics. Just because I think Brad Stevens is a great coach, and I think he'd find a way to get DeMarcus Cousins' game to fit into their offense. He'd be able to provide great minutes off the bench. I don't think you'd want him starting because you don't want him playing that many minutes. But the Celtics are pretty slim at the center position or power forward position for that matter. I know Tatum kind of plays a small forward and power forward position, but at center, they really only have Daniel Tice and Ennis Cantor. They have Robert Williams, some other young guys at center position, but like Taco Fall, but he doesn't really play. And I just think he'd be a great piece off the bench for them who could come into that second unit with guys like Marcus Smart, Semi Ojale, those type of players, and really make a big impact, especially in the Eastern Conference when you're going to be going up against the Raptors with Pascal Siakam. You know, the Bucks with the Lopez brothers, Giannis. You need a bigger body who can be in the paint and handle that. 
He's not the greatest defender by any stretch, but he's going to be able to contribute for the Celtics offensively. And I think that could ultimately give them the push they need um, to get over the hump and potentially make a run at a championship, especially when you have Kemba, Tatum, and Jalen Brown really carrying the load for the starters. I think DeMarcus Cousins would fit perfectly with Marcus Smart off the bench to be a great um, unit for them. Number two, I have Jamal Crawford. I honestly don't know how he hasn't been in the league all year. Um, he's just a consistent leader on and off the court. Great shooter. He reminds me a lot of Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith and their ability to shoot the ball from pretty much anywhere at a consistent level. And I think the perfect team for him would actually be the Toronto Raptors. Just because if you look at their depth, obviously they have Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet. But when you look at their shooting guard position, they do have Norman Powell and Terrence Davis. Davis has kind of been up and down this year. But outside of Norman Powell, they really don't have another number two uh, shooting guard. And I think Jamal Crawford would provide the leadership they need for a still pretty young team that's coming off an NBA Finals um, win and losing Kawhi Leonard, bringing in Jamal Crawford to provide leadership to go along with the Serge Ibaka's, the Marcus Gasol's, the Lowry's. And then Jamal Crawford gives you that spark off the bench you need as far as shooting goes because Norman Powell is not the greatest shooter, and especially off their bench, they don't have a lot of guys that can really score the ball. Uh, a lot of their bench players come in so they can slow teams down, keep the lead that they have, and then when Siakam, Lowry, those guys come back in, um, that's really when they take over. So I think he'd be a great fit for them. And then the final one is pretty obvious is J.R. Smith, and it's already been rumored that he's going to sign with the Los Angeles Lakers, which is the perfect fit because Avery Bradley said he is not going to play J.R. Clearly has a history with LeBron James. They've been teammates before. He would easily provide the shooting they need to replace Avery Bradley, even at a better rate than Bradley does. You do lose a tiny bit defensively, but J.R. Smith is still a very, very solid defender. And I think he'd actually provide more upside and can make a huge impact for the Lakers just based on the fact that when you go to the bench and LeBron has to sit or AD is sitting, they've been stuck in that second unit with Rondo, and guys like that, Caruso, who aren't really great scorers or good defenders, average scorers at best, where J.R. Smith, if you can either start him or put him in on that second unit, you have instant offense and a guy who isn't afraid to shoot the ball at all, and you can allow him to get a little bit trigger happy as far as shooting it a lot more. Obviously, when LeBron James and Anthony Davis are on the floor, you don't want him shooting a ton except for when he gets kicked to the corner or open threes. Or in the second unit, you kind of let him have free-range shooting. And when J.R. Smith gets hot, it's pretty much a wrap for those games. So I think that'd be a perfect fit for them. Obviously, there's some other guys out there too, like Isaiah Thomas. He could potentially be somewhere. Um, Pau Gasol, he's coming off an injury. He's kind of talked about potentially coming back. We'll all have to see what happens. But those are the five guys I would keep an eye on. And now moving into MLB. So the MLB and the players finally agreed on a season. It's going to be 60 games. Um, training camps will be starting July 1st. There's going to be a universal DH for the season. And a rule change is that in extra innings, they're going to be kind of doing what the softball rule would be of you start a runner on second base. Just to get the games going quicker, I think the MLB obviously wants these games to go as quickly as possible. But three teams I want to talk about who just have um, or who are going to benefit the most from this shortened season are the Angels, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Arizona Diamondbacks. 
So starting off with the Angels, they had a pretty nice offseason. They were able to add Anthony Rendon to go along with Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, all of those guys. And the thing with the Angels is I feel like every single year they start off really hot. Mike Trout's always in the MVP conversation. The biggest thing for them is their pitching isn't great. They did go out and get a few pitchers in the offseason, but I just think that the shortened season is going to allow the Angels to finally make a deep playoff run because towards the end of the season is really when they, for some reason, unravel, where I think if they can get through 60 games and get into a good spot in the playoffs, they could potentially make a run, especially if they get there. Mike Trout is going to go off. It's been so long for him to get there. And, you know, with a lot of other veteran guys, like I mentioned with Pujols, I think they could definitely make a deep run and potentially win the World Series. Then I look at the Tampa Bay Rays. I just think that they like the shortened season because it's going to allow them to take advantage of the other teams in the division because of their health. So you look at the Red Sox. They're dealing with some injuries of their own with Chris Sale. They just traded away one of their best players in Mookie Betts. And then you look at, you know, the Yankees. Severino's going to be pretty much gone for the year. Judge, Stanton are both banged up. I know they got Garrett Cole, but Tanaka and them have had injury history as well. So the Rays are in a really good spot because they are healthy and are coming off of a great season in which they made the playoffs that they can make a run as well. And then finally, the Arizona Diamondbacks, just because they're in the same division as the Dodgers, who are pretty much the favorite every year, a shortened season is only going to be able to benefit them because if the Dodgers, for some reason, slip, it'll give them a prime opportunity to make the playoffs. They added a lot of great pieces in Madison Bumgarner, Cole Calhoun, Starling Marte, just to name a few. So I think that they would be perfect um, opportunity for them to take over. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch, especially for the AL, um, where, or excuse me, for the NL, where there's going to be a universal DH how that can change the outcome of games where you're used to a pitcher hitting. And it'll also be interesting to see how pitchers handle that because, you know, sometimes pitchers love going up to plate hitting, but if they do get on or even just swinging the bat can take energy out of their arm, as weird as that sounds, it could happen. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I just think that most fans are happy that there is going to be an MLB season. There's going to be something that they can watch. I'm definitely excited for it, and I can't wait to at least have some sort of sport to watch again. And now finally going into NFL starting quarterbacks, going from 32 to 1. So I'm going to be doing my bottom six. And the way I personally did these rankings, it's kind of a combination of their potential, how they've played so far in their career, um, you know, the team they're on, the weapons they have around them, if they're going to succeed this year. I feel like a lot of people in their rankings, you look at a guy like Drew Brees or Tom Brady, they have those guys way down in the 11 to 15 range and have like the Lamar Jacksons, the Carson Wentz's, the Dak Prescott's way up from the four to seven range. I just don't think that that's fair. Drew Brees and Tom Brady have accomplished so much in their career and I just think based on what their teams are at, I think they deserve to be a lot higher, which I'll get to when I get up to there. But right now, as I said before, I'm be doing this based on who I think or is who is projected to start. So starting off at number 32, ironically enough, it's going to be the Patriots' Jared Stidham. And for so long, 
the Patriots never had to worry about quarterback just because they had Tom Brady, but they haven't gone out and gotten a Cam Newton. They didn't really draft anyone. They only have Hoyer and Stidham. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I've always thought that maybe they're going to trade with Indianapolis to get Jacoby Brissett back. But as of right now, Jared Stidham's are starter, and we just haven't seen anything from him, and nothing tells me that he's going to be a great quarterback in this league in his few appearances he did some nice things but he also did a lot of bad things and in a division where the Jets Dolphins and Bills defenses are all relatively good and then you have to face you know because I'm a Bills fan I know they face the Chargers the Chiefs that whole division where the Broncos and the Chargers both have really good defenses I just think it's gonna be a very tough season for him and you got to face the 49ers as well I just don't think that he's going to be the best quarterback, and I think he deserves to be at number 32 for now until we see more from him. Number 31, I have Ryan Fitzpatrick of the Miami Dolphins. Um, Fitzpatrick could definitely be a little higher. The only reason I have him so low is because there is going to be the possibility of Tua taking over for him at some point if they feel that um, his health isn't as big of a concern as a lot of people think it is. But Fitzpatrick is just a very streaky player. He's not going to really go out and, you know, win you games. But he does have games where he's going to throw for 400 yards, four touchdowns. But then the next game, he throws for 150 yards and four interceptions. He's just very up and down. So that's why I have him at 31. 30, I have Gardner Minshew. I don't know what it is, but everyone loves this Minshew mania stuff. And honestly, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. Like, yes, he did some great things. And obviously, the Jaguars thought so or thought well enough that they were willing to trade Nick Foles after just signing him to a huge deal. But let's be realistic. They're in one of the weaker divisions in football. Doug Marone is, I don't even know how he still has a head coaching job. In a lot of their games, he's passing when they're down by 20, 30 points, and his stats this past year were very inflated, and he's just an average quarterback. I'm not saying he can't be a starter, but um, it's only been one year, and until or until I see more of him and going up against the Titans defense and beating out a team like the Colts or the Texans in a weaker division, I just don't see how he can be ranked um, really that much higher. Um, number 29, I have Daniel Jones. Same type of thing. I just think he has a lot more upside. He had a lot of fumbling issues. I also like the team that's around him. They really vamped up their offensive line, and I just love Saquon Barkley. They don't really have a lot of great receivers around him besides Evan Ingram at the tight end position. Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate are nice pieces, but they're not really elite. So I think he still has some ways to go. I think he's going to be an okay quarterback. Um, I'm still not sold that he's going to be a great quarterback or a franchise quarterback. Um, he definitely surprised me a little bit last year. He was better than I thought he would be, but I'm still um, a little pessimistic about his potential, so we'll have to see on that. Then at number 28, I have Joe Burrow. We just haven't seen him play yet, but unlike Jared Stidham, he's number one pick. A lot of high potential. A.J. Green will be coming back. You have Tyler Boyd, John Ross. You have Joel Mixon out of the backfield, an okay offensive line, an okay defense, and you have a coach um, in Taylor or Jeff Taylor that you know comes over from Sean McVay, young-minded coach, 
a lot of different offensive schemes. So I'm interested to see how he's going to work out there. So I think that'll be good for him, but I can't rank him really much higher, like I said, with a lot of these other guys, because we haven't seen him in the NFL yet. We know what he can do in college, but he has to translate that over to the NFL. And then finally, the last quarterback for this week is going to be Drew Locke at number 27. Did a lot of great things last year for Denver when he finished out the season. Um, I was pretty high on Drew Locke last year coming out of the draft. I knew at some point he'd probably take over for Flacco, whether it was just because of player injury, which ended up being a little bit of both. And he really came in and gave them the spark they needed. They've done everything possible to put weapons around him. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. They have a great running game with Philip Lindsay. They signed Melvin Gordon, which was kind of questionable. But um, the more running backs, the more talent, the merrier. They have Noah Fant at the tight end position as well. A very good offensive line. Their defense is above average. It's going to be taking a hit this year because they did get rid of Chris Harris and Bradley Chubbs coming off of injury, but they still have Von Miller and some other nice pieces. So I think Drew Locke deserves right to be at number 27, and that's going to do it for my quarterback tiers for this week. I'll be back with another tier next week on Friday. Um, that's going to do it for this week's episode. I'll be back on Monday with another podcast episode. I'll be talking about the draft lottery for the Sabres, which is tonight. So I'm be talking about that. Talking about some more things with the Buffalo Bills. Off-season preparation. That sort of stuff. And then also I want to talk about the potential of the Buffalo Bisons hosting um, the Blue Jays this year. We'll see how that goes. As I said before, please go and give at English Encore Podcast a follow on Instagram. I'll be announcing my guest for Sunday in just about 20-30 minutes i'm just going to be posting the graphic finishing it up here right after i'm done with this um so please go ahead and give that support tune in on sunday and i'll be back on monday with another podcast episode this has been english encore buffalo's favorite sports channel